This just in. Aaron Rodgers bought a tube of toothpaste. I need a camera crew at the darkness retreat. Pronto. According to my sources. Think about Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders for a second. This is Rodgers Watch 2023 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. When it comes to me, they don't know Oh, yes. It was this week last year that we found out what a Rodge QB1 was going to do. Greg, you've been saying all along. March 8th-ish or somewhere in that neighborhood, we're likely to find out something. Yeah, this is a big week, and it's already gotten off to a very interesting start. So there's a handful of teams looking for quarterbacks next year, and some will go the draft route, some will play the free agent game, but there are more teams that need a quarterback than there are experienced and good quality quarterbacks available. And that could be a good thing if the Packers are looking to trade Aaron Rodgers. So one of the teams in the mix for a new quarterback are the New York Jets. So they had a visit from a guy named Derek Carr a couple of weeks ago. It all went very well. Well, today it's being reported that Carr has agreed to a deal with the New Orleans Saints. Now the Saints got their guy, and the mm-hmm. Jets are now scrambling. They've tried to do the draft thing multiple times, yeah, yeah. and it's been a disaster. I don't think they're going to invest high draft capital into a quarterback again. But again, there's not many options available. Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe Lamar Jackson, if he doesn't end up on a franchise tag. These are popular names. But it all points back to Aaron Rodgers. So now you've got ESPN's Adam Schefter saying, eh, gut feeling says A-Rod is going to end up in New York. Soon we are basically under two weeks till the start of the league year. We await his word, and at some point something's going to have to happen here. These teams need decisions from the quarterbacks, and everything right now is being hung up while we wait to hear from number 12. Schefter thinks it's two scenarios. He goes to the Jets or he retires. He doesn't see Aaron playing in Green Bay next year. I'm kind of 50-50 on it, but let's pay attention to this week and the calendar. So next week, the league year officially begins. So all these deals that are being agreed upon, they can become official Next week on Wednesday, the legal tampering period, one of the great oxymorons in all of the NFL, begins on Monday. So that's when teams can really start having these negotiations and trades can be agreed to in principle and so on and so forth. So we're in about a week's time period where you'd like to think we'd have a better understanding of Aaron's future plans. You would like to think. You'd like to think. Yeah. No guarantee. But it's all still mysterious. There's no way he retires. It's a beautiful mystery. There's too much money at stake. Well, Nobody now, walks away from $50 million. I wrote down Rodgers will not retire on this pad of paper. If Rodgers retires, I'm going to eat this. Okay. <laughs> I'm literally going to down this. And the two paper clips that are attached to it? Maybe. Well, I've seen you eat a scorpion, so the yep. likelihood of you doing that I think are legit. He will not retire. I'd be shocked if he retired. I really would be. But I also believe that the Packers are interested in exploring opportunities yep. outside of Green Bay. So... With Rodgers, you've got to pay the money, and you've got to unload draft capital, right? With Derek Carr going to the Saints, they just need to pay him money, yep. and they'll do that. And no problem. They're still in cap yeah. hell. But yeah. Free agent, they're just paying him a salary. So that's what teams want to figure out. If we're going to go all in on Aaron, how many years are we going to have him? And then he becomes the Jets' problem when he's doing whatever at a sweat lodge in Peru. He's already demonstrated he's not interested in always doing the right thing for the franchise. So he's going <laughs> to... All right, if they can't trade him or he whispers that, well, I'm not going there, and so they can't unload him, he's coming back. He's not going to leave $50 million. Is that what it is? What is the actual number? Yeah, it's and north of 50 $58.3, million, right? 59, 59 yeah, Oh, my there. God, yeah. come on. No, it's insane. It, it's ridiculous. I, I, I was kind of like this with the previous quarterback, the guy who wore number four, whose name I just don't care to say anymore. <laughs> uh, 
I kind of felt like just when I thought I knew what way he was going to zig, he zagged. He zagged, sure. And it's like, if anybody is going to like punt on that kind of money, of course it would be Aaron Rodgers. Nobody in their okay. right mind would do that. If he punts on that might... kind of money, then I'm embarrassed I ever cheered for him because he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> if he gives up $60 million, he is categorically an idiot. Come on, who passes on that? Why? Why would you do that? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Wow, this is fascinating. So this is a very interesting week. Just to, you know, we'll be ready to rock here and pivot at a moment's notice. That's kind of what happened yesterday. Still, an idea that Rodgers could appear on Pat McAfee tomorrow. I know they've yeah. had a little two-week hiatus while Aaron was doing whatever in Oregon and Pat had a vacation, uh, but that could resurrect with some news. Hmm. So it's, it's going to be an interesting All week, right. I think. He retires. I eat this paper. Yeah. If he doesn't, you eat it. I just What? <laughs> it was never agreed upon. <laughs> Put it in a casserole. How about that? <laughs> Ooh. I'm into that. It's 414 at WTMJ. <laughs> the Milwaukee Chamber Theater is in the midst of a big, big fundraiser, and they're such a big part of our community. What they do there is absolutely amazing. We're excited to be joined in the studio by the MCT Artistic Director, Brent Hazelton. Brent, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to start with just a question. For those that aren't really familiar with the Chamber and what you guys do, tell us about the Milwaukee Chamber Theater. Sure. Milwaukee Chamber Theater is a five-decade professional theater here in Milwaukee. Uh, we focus primarily on supporting and developing our local theater artist community in Milwaukee throughout Wisconsin and telling unique stories from unique voices that audiences won't see anywhere else. You just had a very interesting production of Misery recently? We did, yeah. Stephen, we did Misery for the Holidays, Misery at Christmas. Uh, yeah, an adaptation of, of Stephen King's Misery between Thanksgiving and Christmas. A little, a little holiday alternative for folks who were, you know, wanted something a little different than the, the traditional fare. Went over great. People really loved it, appreciated it. And what are some of the other ways that your theater company is unique in the Milwaukee arts Sure, team? sure. We've made a, a really concerted commitment over the last three years to um, reflecting our community on stage as much as possible. So over the past three seasons... Now we have a three-year average that at least 50% of all of our artists, uh, not just actors, but designers, directors, playwrights, stage managers, everybody identifies as BIPOC, and not less than 50% is female. So really doing what we can to reflect the actual population of the, the city and the county that we primarily serve. And you had a big announcement last month. We did, yeah. We're uh, we're a little bit of financial trouble. Um, like most performing arts uh, companies, particularly nonprofits, you know, everybody's still hit by this pandemic. It is over in many ways in many parts of our society, but for uh, anyone who works in the live arts, not the case. So um, we are also particularly challenged because we do not have any cash reserves. Um, most of the nonprofit arts organizations that are functioning and flourishing right now, everybody's tapping into the reserves a bit. We don't have that. So. Uh, uh, we've been doing some fundraising throughout the last year and throughout this uh, early winter and come February 14th, realized we're we're not going to make these targets unless we make a much broader pronouncement. Um, so let everybody know on February 14th that we essentially had money to get us through the end of April and that if uh, we didn't you know, get some support and some help from the community that this was going to be the last season of this this 48-year-old theater company. Before we get to how that fundraising goal is going, mm -hmm. I want to dive into the pandemic a little bit because you nailed it. I think a lot of people think it's done. We're not wearing masks anymore. Mm -hmm. We're back to normal. How deeply did the pandemic cut for artistic organizations and others that rely on the generosity and goodwill of our community? Massively. Uh, audiences are not back yet to pre-pandemic levels. Most studies in our industry say they're not coming back until late in 2024. So we need some support to help bridge us to get us there. You know, we're all um, one of the 
running a nonprofit arts, arts organization is much more about managing budget than it is about putting art on stage. So, you know, we're all very careful expense controllers in this industry. Um, and even, you know, since the first day of the pandemic, we've all cut way back as much as we can. But at a certain point, you know, there's only so much fat left and you start cutting into bone. And we're sort of at that point right now where um, if we're not able to maintain our current budget level, we're going to really start making some drastic changes to the organization if the organization will exist at all. So tell us about the campaign. Tell us uh, where where you're at, how things are going. Sure. So we are looking for sustainable support over the next three fiscal years because what we want to do is rebuild our financial foundation, uh, put a solid business model in place, restructure organizationally so that we can continue to build audience, generate our own income, and put ourselves back on a stable financial footing. So what that looks like for us is $600,000 of additional support for this fiscal year and the next two. Uh, our current goal is to achieve 500000 of that uh, by tomorrow, end of business, Tuesday, mm. March 7th. So the deadline's coming up really fast. Uh, and we're very, very close. We're about 7% away from our total overall goal, uh, just slightly over $1.4 in, looking to get to $1.5. Um, wow. And looking for just about $30,000 a year in those three-year gifts and support left. And we have an arts community that loves its arts um, so I feel like you have your base of people that when you said this initially on Valentine's Day that they stepped up and helped. Yeah, response was immediate and wonderful. Um, you know, the first half of what we raised, we raised on an average gift of just over $500. So that's a lot of people doing what they can to help keep us going, which I think is a pretty strong referendum on the value of the company to the community and people want to support it. Uh, but that would only carry us so far, of course. So we got about halfway through and... Um, Joel and Karen Quadrachi stepped in uh, with a very, very generous gift, which they also wanted us to position as a match. Oh. So closing out the campaign in this last week, now still going, is a $150,000 match anchored by Joel and Karen's lead gift, as well as some support from Donald and Donna Baumgartner and the Hertzfeld Foundation. So anybody who gives today, anybody who gives through the end of the campaign, your dollar is effectively doubled. Uh, because of that match. So a really an even more better incentive to get us all the way home. That is today and tomorrow doubling your donation to support Milwaukee Chamber Theater. It's been here almost 50 years. Mm -hmm. And I think that throughout history, the arts have been supported by patrons, whether they were royalty or, you know, the nobility. But that still carries on today. And I was just amazed when... Last week, it was announced that the Quadrachi stepped up mm -hmm. to do a matching, and Donna and Donald Baumgartner have just been behind the Milwaukee Ballet and so many other important things here in the Hertzfeld Foundation, part of Milwaukee Art Museum. What will we do without these people who consistently step up? There, there would be a lot less art and culture in Milwaukee, no question. And um, arts and culture, uh, Susan Varela of Skylight mm -hmm. Music Theater was on WTMJ Conversations earlier this week with Wisconsin's Morning News talking about how as much as we all love and support and are excited about the Milwaukee Bucks and the championship, and but the, as much as sports dollars bring the economy alive, the investment in the arts for every dollar spent by either the state or someone, a dollar fifty is supposedly coming back into Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a huge revenue driver. I mean, if you think about what you do when you go out for an evening, right? You're gonna you're gonna go to dinner beforehand. You're gonna pay to park somewhere. You might go have a drink afterwards. You may have a babysitter you have to pay. Maybe you know you live out in the suburbs and you want to stay downtown, so you're getting a hotel room. That's another meal. I mean, it's a massive, massive driver to the local economy. And I think in the state in general, um, the arts and culture industry is a billion dollar industry it's just an absolutely massive economic driver in the state brent what's the easiest way for people to donate people who want to help and they want to do it today 
or do it tomorrow at the latest, how can they help? Yes, What's the easiest please way? jump onto our website, milwaukeechamberstheater.org, uh, theater, T-R-E, not T-E-R, uh, and head to the sustainability page. Uh, there is a very simple pledge form there that people can fill out. It's four questions. Uh, we are only at this time taking pledges. We're not taking any actual money from anybody until we get all the way to this goal, and then we will gladly get in touch with folks and say, please pay your pledge. But for the time being, you know, everybody can can pledge with confidence that we're not going to uh, receive any dollars until we know that we can be sustainable moving forward. Milwaukee Chamber Theater, and that's theater with a T-R-E at the end, milwaukeechambertheater.org. Go there. It'll be very easy for you to find the pledge page, the sustainability page, milwaukeechambertheater.org. I don't know if you want me to do this or not, but I'm going to. We want to help you out a lot. Here's his email. Here's Brent's email, Brent Hazelton. If you want to reach out to him, you can do that. If you're an organization who can really make a difference, email Brent, brent at milwaukeechambertheater.org. Brent at MilwaukeeChamberTheater.org. And Brent, what's your next performance? Go ahead. Yeah, we are about to open a world premiere of Hoops this weekend, which is uh, an adaptation of uh, a portrait series by a local photographer named Nicole Acosta, focusing on BIPOC women and their relationship to hoop earrings. So a huge celebration of culture and fashion and art and life. It's really wonderful. And you can buy tickets at that same website, MilwaukeeChamberTheater.org. You can buy your tickets. Uh, Let's get out and help. The Milwaukee Chamber Theater. Pledges taken at Milwaukee Chamber Theater, T H E A T R E dot org. Brent Hazelton is the artistic director at the Milwaukee Chamber Theater. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. My wife's name out your mouth. That was Chris Rock, Will Smith, the slap heard around the world, and now Chris Rock is talking about it. Uh, pretty much shredded Will Smith and Will Smith's wife at a Netflix live show that he did on Saturday night. Um, I didn't see it. I've just seen clips, like I think a lot of people. He was intense. He was really intense. He was really into reacting, but I guess if you kept it pent up for almost a year. Well, actually, because that clip that we just heard, that was actually Will Smith. Yep. So he was a little intense after that. So you got to think that Chris Rock has been holding on to this for about 360 days because we're about to get to the Oscars on Sunday. So here it is. This is part of the Netflix documentary. I want to play you a couple clips. This is Chris Rock on Saturday. Y'all know what happened to me getting smacked by Suge Smith. knows yes it happened i got smacked like a year ago and people like did it hurt it still hurts (laughs) i got summertime ringing in my ears and anybody who's got that song ringing in their ears is hurting that's for sure so he uh did an hour did about 10 minutes of it did about 10 minutes of it on that big moment he did say at one point, it was interesting, hmm. that, you know, I've thought about this for a long time. He said, I've been offered interviews with a lot of people. I decided not to do any of them. But I'm not a victim, baby. You will never see me on Oprah or Gail crying. You will never see it. Never gonna happen. I couldn't believe it. And I love men in black. No. It's never gonna happen. No. I took that hit like Pacquiao. So Will Smith's in a new movie out called Emancipation, where he plays a slave. 
And this, I read a lot on social media all day today about the Netflix special, and this is the clip that has gotten the most reaction from people. I watch Emancipation just to see him get whooped. <laughs> Got me rooting for Massa, okay? You don't know how hard it was to pick these clips out because... In most of the clips, like every third word was the F bomb, the MF bomb. Yeah, something. He referred to Will Smith's wife with the B word. Hmm. Um, I thought parts of it were kind of funny, but I thought it wasn't clever. And there's too much cursing. And I know I sound like an old man, get off my lawn guy, but can we be funny without dropping an F bomb like every other word? Like I use, I, I probably shouldn't say this when I'm going to, I use the F word, but. I don't use it every third word. I say only when you're in a car accident or when you, <laughs> you always say that oh. you don't mind the F word, but don't use it gratuitously. Like in Cocaine Bear. I can tell you that it's yep. used, but it is. It That's wasn't how this so felt much. to me, too. Yeah, it was just very. Uh, will you watch it if you have the chance? Are you I'm interested in curious. seeing it? Here's what's amusing to me is the Netflix special is called Selective Outrage. Yep. And that's what he accuses Will Smith mm-hmm. of. But you just hear that it's him venting and angry. And like you said, a lot of it's not clever. Did I chuckle at some of the lines he said? But it's like, yeah. I don't really need to see somebody on stage for an hour mad. Like, that's, it's not really insightful. So, yeah. and, and, and like you said, clever. So I'm, I'm really sorry that this all happened at this wonderful event last year. And I say wonderful, but just like this is supposed to be celebrating the best of the best. Right, right. The, the most yeah. elite accomplishments in the film industry. And... No matter what the reason, Will Smith should not have stepped up on stage and popped Chris Rock in the face. Never. That, I mean, he should have been arrested, actually. That's, that happens almost anywhere else. Someone is in handcuffs. It's a, it's a full-on assault. Yeah. And I love the... Uh, yes, we are getting texts on the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620, that it's all been staged. Sure, maybe, but I don't really think so. I, I don't think I, so. I, I don't think yeah, so at all. That. And I got to tell you, if the Academy Awards mm-hmm. wants ratings this Sunday, they shouldn't have banned Will Smith. They should have let him show up you got and that see right. what he's going to do this time. Yeah, maybe we should give him some credit. If it was about ratings, you're right. They would have let him show up. Maybe yeah. they think they're actually doing the right thing by banning him. At the time, I thought it was staged. I was like, what is this? Because like, it was so confusing. Yeah, I, I had no idea here. what it was. What am I even watching right now? Yeah. All right, hey, let's take a break. Rose Gray is in the studio. She is back from Australia, New Zealand. She's been on nine flights on this vacation. Nine flights. We'll explain up next. I was just telling my wife this morning that uh, Rose was coming on the show today and that she's my favorite guest and that when I grow up, I want to be Rose. Yeah, it's good to be Rose Gray some days. I want to travel the world. <laughs> Rose is just back from where? Where were you? Yeah, so New Zealand and Australia in that order. Woo. You yeah. can't get much further away than that. Uh, no, no, 13 and a half hours from San Francisco. Oh, my gosh. It's a long flight. It's a How long many flight. flights did you take on so, your whole trip? Nine total. Yep. It really was so, nine. Yep. So Chicago to San Francisco, San Francisco to, to Auckland. And then you start your journey. So we did the North Island. We did the South Island. We flew over to Australia. And then we went up the East Coast and ended basically in um, at the Great Barrier Reef, but then came back down to Sydney, and w- wow. that's where we were. So, yeah, it was a lot of flying, uh, so a little Qantas, a little Air New Zealand, and a lot of United. 
I know it's hard to narrow it down, but what were a couple highlights for the trip? What are your? You've done this itinerary before. What are your favorite parts yeah, of so Australia, I, New Zealand? I think that people would probably say Hobbiton if you go see where the the Lord of the Rings movies were made. <laughs> yeah, it's in New Zealand, so darn cool. I can't even tell you. And there were lots of people on the trip that had not either read nor seen the movies, yeah. but still got it. Still, their grandkids were into it, or their kids were into it, or what have you. So we did a lot of that. Um, Milford Sound is always beautiful. A little bit of a bust because of the weather. Um, Sydney, is that where the sheep farms are? Yeah, there is are that, some sheep farms. That's there. where, like, there's you can't see power lines, buildings, right. roads, anything. It's very, very natural down in that area. Yeah. You know, I actually have uh, uh, an acquaintance who's um, doing. A camper van for 21 days in New Zealand. Wow! Yeah, it, and you and you can actually get the camper van with an itinerary, so everything's all set up for you. That's really the way to do it because I'd love it if we could do 21 days in New Zealand and 21 mm-hmm. days in Australia as separate <laughs> trips. But when people fly that far, they feel like they got to get it all in. Yep, that's the problem, right? I mean, yeah. they feel like. And in Australia, it's impossible to get it all in. If it you're is. also going to do New Zealand and Fiji, you just can't do it. Well, and you have to realize it's as big as the United States. Right. So what we essentially did is flew into Miami, went up to Washington, D.C., went up to maybe Maine, and came back to New York to fly out. That's kind of what that would equate to. So I always tell people New Zealand is like Alaska on steroids. Yeah. How do you describe New <laughs> Zealand and the beauty? It, it's indescribable. I think waterfalls beyond belief. Uh, certainly the the n- natural habitat. You know, you go see the glowworms and all of that. Yep. But, of course, me being kind of a sports fan, you have that connection to the rugby team, the All Blacks, and then you learn about the uh, the culture of that team and how they do that haka before they... The chant. They, yeah. Oh, it's so much fun to learn about that and to learn about that culture. And even though you've been to Hawaii, maybe been to the Polynesian Polynesian Cultural Center, and you've seen some of this, that just is fascinating to me to, to learn about their culture and how proud they are of it. It is a super unique part of the world. I have yet to go, but for you to describe the Hobbit area, just to think that you're mm-hmm. walking into a storybook world that is as real. Right, right. And some aerial people that were scouting locations for that movie found this place. And it was a farm. It was a sheep farm, a great big sheep farm. And they literally took over. And then they sort of dismantled it for after the first movie, realized, big mistake, we need to make another movie. And now we're <laughs> going to make this permanent. So if we make more movies, we've got that. We can also turn it into an attraction. But that was very cool. Uh, again, just watching sheep shearing and, and the 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 livelihood that they make the the two dozen sheep variations and species that we learned about and saw all of that and the glowworms I got to talk about the glowworms yeah That's, I don't know about the glowworms this is news to me yeah this is an interesting insect and sadly all you can ever do is see pictures on on National Geographic or somebody else mm-hmm. who got permission to take photos because you can't take photos in this this yeah. cave this amazing underground labyrinth of caves that they came up with so that makes it even more special that you have to be present to truly Mm -hmm. experience exactly Mm -hmm. and i'm finding that more and more people on these trips are not taking thousands and thousands of pictures anymore because back in the day that's what you did you put your slideshow together and you had the neighbors over and they've never been anywhere and they would see it everybody's seen this stuff because it's all over all all over but you want to remember it and you want to keep it in your heart and if you're looking through a lens or a phone the entire time you're not experiencing and even it. just in the last 10 years people aren't taking the big cameras anymore right so and i think when it's just your phone 
it's so much a part of who we are that it's not as obtrusive and you might have it in your pocket, but we used to go and people would take the big cameras with the telephoto lens and the wide angle lens and you don't see that as much yeah, anymore. No, no it, the, those numbers have been reduced. I, I, we had some of those and I'm always very grateful when they're willing to share their pictures, yeah. which they are, but uh, it's, it's again, it's a memory and it's your memory and of what you experienced at that particular place. So, so um, most people that go to Australia, go to Sydney, they go to Cannes because they want to be, see the Great Barrier yeah. Reef. Tell us about what makes the middle of the country, the outback or the west or south special. Yeah, it is. It's just like our wild, wild west. It's like going to national parks in our western part of our country, it's very different. So, of course, Melbourne is a very, very metropolitan city. Sydney is a very metropolitan city. Brisbane, all on that coast, are very metropolitan. Then you get out to Ayers Rock or you get out to per- all the way to Perth, and that's a whole different world. That's, that's mountains and deserts and just completely different um, geography and and topography and 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 again, sadly, we couldn't include that on this trip, or we would have been gone two months. For goodness' <laughs> sakes, Rose, we wanted to ask you about a couple of things that are in the news. There's been a lot of airline news, and not the good kind in the news. It's almost amazing there hasn't been something truly tragic today. There's news that in Boston, two planes touched wingtips. There have been several incidents in the last month of planes not banging into each other by the narrowest of margins, with one coming in and one taxiing. And there are less planes in the air than there were three or four years ago. What what is what but is I think going there's on? There's also less air traffic controllers, and I think that's a big part of this. It it seems like no matter where we go in the world, staffing shortage, shortages affect travel in every aspect, from the hospitality side of things to the flight side of things. They had a warning on our uh, flight for United to get to the airport of four hours instead of the three hours because they were so short-staffed. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, and and it was, it was, I have to tell you, when you make a connection in uh, the United States after you've been traveling internationally, that's your first point of entry into the U.S., you're going to clear customs there. And they warned us that this was going to be kind of hairy. We had a three-hour connecting time. It was shortened a little bit by a 20-minute delay, so it was down to two hours and 40 minutes. I had to go up to somebody working that that baggage and say to them, we've got people on a 1030 flight, can we go to the head of the line? Or we would not have made it. That's remarkable. Yeah. Uh, what about the quality of the flights? Were they crowded like they all are here? Were they, how was, you yeah. were on the plane a lot. Yeah, we had a lot of people that were looking to possibly change seats or upgrade seats, and it wasn't even a possibility on the way home. There may have been 12 empty seats on this great big gigantic jet coming back home. Uh, where's next? Where's Rose going next? <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to take a vacation in, in Extapa, Mexico. <laughs> I think that'll be good. And then at the end of April, we'll do our villa in Jamaica that we always do. Oh, with the butler service. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That we, have, we have a staff that takes very, very good care of us. So I'm going to be on vacay for a couple of uh, of these trips, and then I'll start back up again. But uh, yeah, we uh, we heard the cry of all the people that love to travel, and they're saying more, more, more. Give us more groups. Give us more choices. What awesome. do you got going on? So. How many times will you be in Alaska this summer? I'm just one. I'm, I'm going to cut oh, it good, back to. I, I've gotten to that point in my life where I'm yep. saying one trip to Alaska this What's year. What's your record? So, I'll, it'll be my 
14th time. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it'll be my 14th time. So last year I went twice. Several years I go twice, but I'm, I'm kind of, I yeah. want to experience Wisconsin summer. Yeah. Too. And, and so I'm hoping to have a little time to do that and go up north and do all that kind of thing. But as you said at the beginning, truly blessed, truly grateful that I get to do this for a living and um, see some of the spectacular things that I have seen in my lifetime. You can hear Rose Saturdays, 9 a.m. here on WTMJ. Thank you so much, Rose. My pleasure.